asshole? What? <laughs> Nothing. And Mama K. I am also here. And Jess. Present. Not, not Jess. Jess. No. Jess. That sounds like Jess. Where's that. Jess? I mean, I, I sound like a manlier voice. Oh, who's Jess. that? Beast. Playing that the voice beast. of Jess tonight will be Griffin. That is Griffin. Griffin has been on before once or twice. Say hello, Griffin. Hey, everyone. Hello, Welcome Griffin. The amazing Hello, podcast that I'm... <laughs> yeah, it's enough. <laughs> Jess is gallivanting in Galveston? Galveston. Galveston. Galveston? No, she's in Galveston. <laughs> she's somewhere in Texas. Galveston. Order, order. She's somewhere in Texas gallivanting during the biggest uh, movie weekend of the year, so we had to get a fill-in Classic for... Classic Jess. Oppenheimer! Tonight we are doing Oppenheimer, the new Christopher Nolan three-hour behemoth uh oppenheimer mm. everyone knows about this right going in uh nicole okay griffin jess um yes. i never saw a um pr- uh, what do they call them preview Trailers. preview i oh, never yeah, saw a preview trailer. for this i i gathered oh. due to knowing about history what it was about but i didn't see anything i don't know how i dodged well, you it didn't all. see any of the trailers really it was like it, whenever i went to the no movie theaters, nothing it was like every single trailer i went for the past like month oh i don't go to the movies griffin <laughs> I go- yeah, no, she only goes when i she goes twice a month when i make her for the show and i yeah, make sure I- to get there 20 minutes late so i don't see that shit yeah she, i yeah. saw them on the television so that's oh, when i saw the trailers i saw them on the television did you see it what, that's what? why i said it like that because i know nobody else has cable tv so so you saw this when the movie took place is when you saw it um, yeah, no, Oppenheimer, uh, was, uh, Griffin, you, you knew Oppenheimer was coming? Yeah, I knew Oppenheimer was coming for the past few months. During World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves Jr. appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer to work on the top secret Manhattan Project. That's a really wordy thing, but I'm going to stop there because it's about Oppenheimer and, uh, another guy another guy played by robert downey jr that we learned about uh this has a 94 percent on rotten tomatoes with yeah, 94 with the critics 93 with the audience so Ooh. Ooh. eight point eight point eight on imdb are so, you <laughs> look at these scores uh opening box office 174 million so ever wins all around everyone loving oppenheimer time uh, do we read the cast? Maybe not the, maybe not the, like, actual time. Maybe not the actual, oh, no, the, yeah, uh, okay, maybe not. Uh, the cast, <laughs> there's a couple people that you might have heard of in it. Shall I read? There's a couple names. Yeah. Killian, Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt. Yeah, Oop. every single name. Killian Murphy, <laughs> Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Benny Safdie, Jason Clark, Dylan Arnold, Tom Conti, James Darcy, David Dasmalchi, and Dane DeHaan, Alden Ehrenreich, Alex Wolf, Scott Grimes, Josh Zuckerman, Matthias Schwagfler, Jack Quaid, Josh Peck. So all these names are pronouncing off the German accent. We've gone too far already. Matthew Modine, David Krumholtz, (laughs) Emma DeMont, Gary Oldman's in there for a second, Macon Blair, James Remar. There's still names... There's still recognizable names I haven't even got to in the cast list, but the point is, there's about 100 people it's in this movie. It's a bunch movie. of men. Everyone who's not in some other movie that's playing right now is in this movie, and then everyone who's not in that other movie is 
it's in that movie. So, uh, Christopher Nolan film. I don't think I've said that yet of all the things I've talked about. Uh, oh, I fa- think you have. Have I? Mm, one time. Okay. Inception. This is the drinking portion of our uh, podcast. Every time oh, we say geez. Christopher Nolan, you drink. Inception, the Dark Knight trilogy, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenant. We all loved Tenant, remember, guys? Mm. No. Oh. What do you guys think of all those movies I said? Christopher Nolan films, do we like I them? I mean, they're all good, except the one you just said. One film. Tenet was, was not my cup of tea over there. Tenant was uh, pretty just good. Dunkirk. Only just, Dunkirk only. You only like Dunkirk? You don't like any other movies? This is this should not be a surprise to anybody who has either been on the podcast with me or listened to a yeah, podcast. It's no. just it's just quality <laughs> stuff. It's just surprising. Nicole, do you like any of the movies I said? You like Dark Knight, um, right? We like to listen to the Hans Zimmer soundtrack at work. Really makes our day go by. That's true. I've actually heard of a lot of people do that. I've known multiple people to listen to the uh, Dark Knight and Inception soundtrack, too. Uh, yeah. Interstellar, it's a good one. Interstellar, Interstellar actually is a really nice ironically, soundtrack. Ironically, while I was at work today, I was listening to the Oppenheimer soundtrack, so just listening to all the noises. Oh, the there you go. Oh. oh, my God. That is a podcast upon <laughs> it itself, It was just honestly. a war zone on a pod- on a soundtrack. <laughs> I was in my mundane office job, and all I could hear is just explosions in my ear. Oh if, my goodness. If you haven't seen Oppenheimer in theaters <laughs> now, uh, did I say it's directed by Christopher Nolan? Oh, <laughs> shit. Drink. Uh, chug, chug, chug. In theaters now, if you have any interest, we're going to spoil all three hours of it now. So uh, f- this is taking place over multiple decades of Oppenheimer's life from the 20s when he is uh, just starting out in Cambridge all the way up into the 50s and 60s when things have kind of gone wrong. You know, there's the heyday in the 40s with his bomb making. Uh, who doesn't know about Oppenheimer? I know Mama Kay said that uh, she knew somebody <laughs> who's like, oh, Oppenheimer, what's that about? I'm like, hmm. What's Oppenheimer about? Yeah. There's not really... That was that was a little distressing, honestly. It's an uncommon name. I would say if you invoked the name Oppenheimer to anyone and they either didn't it's know a... what it was or they would think of this gentleman who... Physicist... It's a bit uh, Hitlery. Physicist... Uh, a bit Hitlery. Jesus. Uh, physicist <laughs> who is, as a person, a kind of a prickly uh, acerbic man, as, the, as portrayed by Killian Murphy in this movie. And the other kind of character who's played weaving in and out of like the 50s ish era of this is robert downey jr's character almost unrecognizable robert downey jr as lewis Mm. strauss who is trying to get uh he's getting committed to be a secret confirmation for secretary uh secretary of commerce he's getting confirmed by the senate and he needs a vote to pass and uh uh, the only thing that's hanging up is his involvement with Oppenheimer and all of these bomb shenanigans. And so we go through Oppenheimer's life, and uh, we we learn about him. It's a biopic. And uh, he created the bomb, in case I haven't said it already. He Shocker. made the bomb. And Christopher Nolan directed this film. So uh, let's start with uh, the... F- Resident Christopher Nolan fan, Mama K. Who? Uh, what do you think of Oppenheimer? Are you sure you want to start with me? I do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this movie made me so angry. I was Uh-oh. so Uh-oh. angry oh at the my end God. of this movie. The I passion. was. 
I was passionate about this movie in the angriest of manners. We were driving the sports car home and I was yelling in the sports car with the roof down because I was so mad at this movie. I love this. I didn't know this oh. side of you. Me neither. Oh. I'm glad we are not going to agree. <laughs> so <laughs> mad at this movie. There was, when when Griffin just earlier started talking about the soundtrack, which I dig on soundtracks a lot. I listen to them a lot um, outside of movies. Um, there was a soundtrack playing during this whole film that I don't know how people didn't just automatically. I feel like it was something in the soundtrack saying, if you have a weapon, use it on yourself now. If you have a weapon, use it on yourself now. Because it was the most painful three hours, including naps of my life. It was so that it was it was the worst the music made my teeth grind i was on edge that's the whole point uh, it was You're supposed to be on edge no i was sold a bill of goods that i didn't get so when when we were talking about trailers i have seen the trailer to this and i've seen subsequently i've seen the trailers on on tv since we've seen the movie great trailer. and i'm like that is not the friggin movie that i saw the movie that i saw <laughs> was just a movie that made me want to sleep and also because I had wanted to sleep because the soundtrack was grating in my head. Like, honestly, it was telling me to do bad things. Wow. Um, yeah. And I believe that that's what this movie is about. It's telling people to do bad things. Um, well, I guess. Sub, well, there we might agree. Sub, <laughs> that's not possible. Subconsciously. <laughs> I mean, consciously, yes, for part of it. But subconsciously, throughout the whole film, it's just like. There's no way I feel that there was something subliminally done through this whole movie, and I caught it, and I well, wanted. It wasn't out. about the fascist. I've topic. never wanted to leave a theater more since RoboCop. Since RoboCop, the first one or the remake? The first one, not the remake. Oh, that's a long time ago. That's like I haven't even seen any. Of yeah, it was 1980 something, and ago. I. If there, if the theater weren't full of people and I wasn't like third or fourth row, I would have bolted out of there like lightning. That's, this movie made me so mad. That's really interesting you say that about the subliminal messaging because you know as we talk further, I'm sure we'll bring up um, perhaps how some of the cast felt about being in this. And um, oh, okay, I, I'm interested. I, I don't, I don't know if you're that far off from the from a consensus from some. Boom. I mean, nice literally, boom. I mean, you could, you could, you could have said that mo- uh, movie literally belongs in this. <laughs> well, it hasn't. It's actually got excellent reviews and lots of money, and that's going to win Best Picture. Well, so. yeah. <laughs> in my case, that's yeah, yeah. about yeah, it. In the wrong eyes, one. Oh, if the in the eyes of people that just don't go and watch a movie and be like, "Oh my God, it's Christopher Nolan!" drink and. I, oh, that's not where oh, I live on this planet. Clearly, yeah, All right, Griffin, fix that, <laughs> clean that up. What, what's uh, what you think of uh, Oppenheimer? Uh, so I'm gonna have the complete opposite opinion. And Oppenheimer was a fantastic film, I believe, because uh, uh, for all the nuances of like the, I loved how the direction was taken with the different shots of Gillian Murphy's character shot and the actual atoms exploding in the inside of the, like the bombs and stuff. That really showed like the. Really a lot of good visual. All, cutting, all the good visual yeah. cutting was really good in that movie. That's that was my biggest like biggest takeaway from throughout the film. But obviously the performances and all the great characters like Robert Downey Jr. played a really good uh, Louis Strauss. You know, way better than he did in any of the Iron Man movies, I thought. So and then uh, 
better than Iron Man. That is quite a quite a strike. (laughs) Dang, (laughs) the career defining role. I would I would say better than. I think um, he's getting milking by the less than zero. Marvel teats, you know, but that's 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 what I think. Uh, Okay, Sherlock Holmes though. Sherlock Mm. Holmes. That's a Guy Ritchie film. We don't slander Guy Ritchie here. That's and then, true. Like, uh, I loved uh, Emily Blunt in it. it. Was great. She she had that, uh, some great scenes towards the end when you talk more about the, when she was getting integrated, which is my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, and then, mm, and then, uh, and then, like uh, the visual effects are the actual bomb exploding in the very like middleish end area where you just saw the blinding flash of light. And when you're in a super dark movie theater, and it just flashes. Especially I was watching this in IMAX, so. When I saw this, it was just like flashing light, and the whole theater just woke in a bright light, and then it just went pitch black. It was like a really good experience. Yeah, it's how at the end of this, if it's worth it, nine axes. We saw it in, we, we couldn't even see it in the biggest theater at our theater because all the big theaters were taken up by Barbie. So there, we had to see it in like a middle sized <laughs> screen because they just didn't, they just weren't, they weren't, uh, and there weren't really any theaters around us. They, all the big screens were Barbie screens, which is. You think that interesting? One, you, well, I understand that more, you're going to sell more for Barbie yeah. PG-13 versus an R-rated movie. You're going to get more butts in the seats, but like you should have one. Wait a minute. Screen, but Barbie wasn't an IMAX, was it? For me, it was. No, I think an IMAX. I don't theaters, think our theater has IMAX. Yeah, the one we go to oh, doesn't. Like we could have driven okay. two hours away and saw it, or an hour and a half away and saw it an IMAX, or you know, paid. There, there were options, but the theater we frequent, it was uh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So we got a glowing review and a scathing review. Nicole. Oh, what am I gonna do? Um, <laughs> I feel like I, you're gonna fall somewhere or not. Maybe in the middle. Like in the middle. Yeah, I could say that. I could say that. I think I could take a little bit from each of you guys so far. Um, I found this. Um, very visually captivating. Um, one thing that I hate, and I've made this very clear, and especially with Christopher Nolan, I hate that he fucking does this all the time. I don't know why this is his thing, but I hate back and forth time travel stuff. Like, it's not time travel, but you know what I mean? Like, like past to present things. And I appreciate that they did it in a way where one decade is black and white and the other is color right i think they should have been switched although i know that the majority of the movie happens in the earlier time as opposed to the trial in quotes um but uh yeah i i don't like that part of it because it took me a while to understand what was going on especially when i think of black and white as older so i would have thought of that as 40s as opposed to 50s oh it was fucking with my head um <laughs> so i wish that that was changed i guess you can't have the majority of the movie in black and white because i think mama k would have dri- driven that car off a cliff if that was the case <laughs> um but uh, i really was interested in the story as it started to unfold i don't know if i'm supposed to know other people in this film besides albert einstein and the president and those important people like the general i i don't know if i'm supposed to know him uh how much importance he holds during this whole time you know like what we learned in school etc um strauss i've never heard of him before so i didn't know what his deal was um 
So all that stuff I was kind of learning as I went along and trying to understand their characters. So that made it more interesting to me, I think, because I didn't have a preconceived notion about these people. Not to say that I'm a fucking Oppenheimer expert, because um, I didn't really <laughs> quite know what his b- background was like either. Um, so it was it was cool to see them interacting with um, like Albert Einstein. And I guess when now, like we don't quite understand when Albert Einstein was around and doing his work. Like, I feel like it was so much earlier than this, but right. it was, it was yeah. like the twenties, thirties, forties. Like, why am I thinking Albert Einstein was around in the 1800s? Like, I don't know why my brain was doing that. It's um, a, I think a lot of people do. He feels like he's with like living in the Mark Twain era. You yeah, know? definitely. Like, now. Cause he gets, he gets categorized with all those people, and and it's always like in black and white photos of Albert right. Einstein. You yeah. think he's some ancient dude, and mm. you know he probably died I don't know eighty years ago or something. You know, but um, yeah. So so that part was uh, a little confusing for me. I got over it when we get into the meat of it. They're they're doing this and the internal conflict of Oppenheimer of do I do this for my people? the jewish community in europe do i do this for the u.s or do i not do this because i'm about to kill a bunch of innocent people that 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 internal conflict is is very real to me i felt i felt that throughout the movie um where i disagree with griffin is i don't think emily blunt was good in this um i think she dragged she dragged it along quite a bit for me when we get into more of her story um I do like how they had their story together to show kind of their their twisted relationship, very um, tortured relationship. Um, they were, just just by what either of them are doing at any given time. <laughs> um, I could, they're too, way too self-centered to be married. I mean, the they fact really that they are. Give up their baby to, for somebody else to raise. Dude, they're so yeah. monstrous. I I I, 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 they, I think they're so monstrous. <laughs> but in like I the do. most interesting, in a way that like I I didn't maybe they were, I don't know if they were really like this, but like cinematically i wasn't expecting when he gets home and she's been drinking all day and like the bait and she's like oh she's like so she's finally oh you're finally home and you just hear the baby I mean, we can kind of tell that when she so willingly leaves her husband for him yeah, like yeah, immediately yeah yeah it was like oh my husband's over there he's like i don't give a fuck let's go and uh she did but um i'll say past creation of bomb um i'm not as as into it anymore but that's i guess what the people like about this movie um i haven't read very many reviews i know i've been talking a while already but um i haven't read very much about what people think about this other than i know it's very well rated right now so um i'm interested to hear more about the negatives that everyone's feeling because overall i do think this is very good um i didn't mind the length i think the Ending is as typical. I feel like it's always a, a flop at the end. But what can you do ending a movie like this, I guess, but show what happened? Um, that's what I feel about, like, based on a true story type of stuff. You, you, How much can you finagle it around to make it interesting? Um, but overall, I, I did enjoy this. And luckily, I was sitting next to an old gentleman that was very quiet the whole time. So... I wasn't bothered by anyone in the theater. Well, I think we're setting up contrast for our, our other review. Um, 
as far as theater going experiences, oh, but uh, Oppenheimer. It is important to me. It is the, the theater experience makes or breaks sometimes. The Oppenheimer experience is exceptionally uh, good, uh, respectful, quality theater Ooh. experience uh, all around. Sound quality was decent. Um, good Oppenheimer was a very good experience, and then we'll talk about the other one. Um, yeah, Oppenheimer is amazing. It's awesome. It's this is one of the best movies of the year. Uh, it's going to win all the Oscars. It's going to get a dozen nominations. It's great, and it lived up to my hype. And it's it's I didn't even know what it was going to be like. Like what to really do with a biopic for Christopher Nolan, the guy who makes. Like I don't like I don't know he's gonna make a movie like about like like an Elvis or like a like a Judy or a Aretha movie like what like how is he gonna he's and he's gonna make it about the guy and the man who bought the bomb so I'm like okay that's the most Christopher Nolan biopic subject you could pick at least so lining up things are lining up and the first I'd say two hours is basically just like. We're cutting back from the trial, kind of trial slash uh, hearing, all that stuff, and into the ba- into the past, and we're coming up kind of conventionally, and he's doing it with the stuff with his students, and and he gets recruited, and we learn about all the myriad thirty characters in his life that we're going to meet along the way, and then the last third, like the bo- he creates the bomb, and and like that build up, you get all that good tension good payoff i like it and then the third act is like a sneaky backdoor like this whole time i was like what's the last act of the movie he makes the bomb we did it yay and then the bomb then the two bombs are going off to the government because they're gonna go and use him for uh mm-hmm. for their purposes and then he's sitting standing there like we did it what did i do wait a minute what did i do and then, then the last hour of the movie is oh shit what do we do and then the did you realize you realize why have we been cutting to robert downey jr this whole movie you're like ah, like i've been kind of understanding what him and alden eric and third guy are talking about but whatever and i'm just kind of tucking that away for now i'm focusing on the Oppenheimer and all that stuff and then you kind of realize in the third act that the whole reason Oppenheimer and his communism and his and his hard to work withness is all it's all just a, a little feud because Strauss thought that Oppenheimer and Einstein were making fun of him behind his back one day by a pond mm-hmm. and so Strauss is such a petty little government man that he has to do all this bullshit to, to that is now a, a giant stain for 20 years of history uh, red scare and all because because Albert Einstein gave him the cold shoulder with his little fucking like hat. Is. It's amazingly petty. I loved the third act. So I disagree with a little bit, Nicole, because I didn't know. Like I, I, on the third act, the first two thirds are just like great, solid Christopher Nolan cross cutting around between. Griffin mentioned it, the like nucleus and the electrons exploding, but also he does this thing and he does it in almost all his movies where it's like it's cross cutting, it's like long montage. He's basically telling three things at once by cutting all these different timeline like timelines together. And for I know Nicole. I know for you that you said that you can kind of have trouble keeping up sometimes, but when it works, like when they're building the bomb at the same time as the government's building the town at the same time as everyone's like, we're following like four different storylines kind of concurrently, but we do it not in like a 30 second minute montage. We're doing it for a long time and he does it for like, for like long stretches and then bomb and then last hour of pettiness fight in little rooms and close up shots. And what have I done? Um, Oppenheimer's great. I don't, I don't know how Malika can uh, not like this. So uh, let's. The thing about it, the cutting back and forth between 
and time frames. Uh, yeah, it's it it gets so messy of like, where are we? What I country agree. are we in? Are we in Germany? Are we back in the US? Are we in London? They're talking about German scientists, but they're not allowed to speak with them. But the one guy, Gary, uh, not Gary Oldman, the other guy, um, Kenneth Branagh's characters, like a liaison mm-hmm. between them. Like, what the fuck yeah, is but- going on with all of this? Aren't they all at the Communist Party at one time? Like the, the hangout where they meet? Uh, where he meets the um, the girlfriend. I can't remember her name, but like, Florence what Hale. what is happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is happening here? Well, that's. I, I mean, maybe you might have trouble trouble with like the scene to scene movement of things. I think the whole it's more of understanding the movement of the whole piece as opposed to the individual scene. It doesn't matter what they're talking about in each individual scene. You know, at this well, time, why the fuck is it two hours worth of our time? It actually does matter. It matters to someone like me who likes to see a movie and understand what's going on and not have to wait yeah. till the, you know, two hour, 49 minute mark for it to pay off. I hate that. I well, hate that. Well, one, one, it's, that's, I disagree. Yeah. Two hour, 49 minutes. It's it, at, at the at most, it's like the hour, 50 minute mark, which is, you know, just the two thirds. I don't mark. think so. The payoff, the payoff is at the end where, you know, we find out what Einstein says to Oppenheimer and we see, you know, right before that, we see Robert Downey Jr. losing his shit because he doesn't get the appointment. Oh, it's well, like, that's not the, that's not the only, like, that, that's a nice button. But I would say, I would say you don't need to hang on that and not enjoy the rest of the movie until that payoff comes. Well, you know? do you really think that this whole movie is literally about making a bomb or do you think it's about all the back end stuff that happened because of this. It's about right. the bomb until you realize it's actually about the back end stuff. And that's what Mama K is saying, that that doesn't happen until he loses the cabinet and all this was for nothing. But you could We t- could have avoided all this. The, the... You could, but, you, well... yeah, but then it's really not even about Oppenheimer. It's about the situational things going on. And what? I don't buy... The, you have to buy into a couple things. And one of them I don't buy into is the fact that he's uh set on creating this bomb because they talked he talked with matt damon about the time frame if we don't do it in this time frame the germans are this far behind us or this far ahead of us i can't remember what it was um but you know i don't buy the whole like oh shit i've created this bomb now they're going to use it what did you think they were going to do with it well i think he secretly i think he secretly wanted to do it though because he's also he wants to end the war he was a he was a jewish uh scientist that was in america that was one. Are you saying you don't right. buy Oppenheimer's motive? Like the guy who like really did the thing he did? I don't buy that he all of a sudden was like, wait, wait, wait. I did this majorly cool scientific thing and it's this is really world changing and now you're going to actually use it against people and, and then I, he feels... I think the original idea or... was to threaten them to use it with, not actually use it. I think they were... That's what Oppenheimer was. Yes, Griffin's right. Why they make three then? Oppenheimer was naive enough to think that they would use the use it as a a threat to keep people away, not that we would use it to to impose our will. He thought by creating it, it would. Remember, he says all the time he's idealistic. He thinks this will end wars, not this is a new weapon in wars. He thought the threat of this now everyone will stop fighting because because. Because we can't. That is terribly naive. But that's but not not only is that what the movie has to believe. That's what the true Oppenheimer did. Like he basically said, like I regret making the bomb and I regret doing these things because I didn't realize what I was. I didn't realize till it was too like I'd already done it. What I had what I had mm-hmm. done. That's like the point of 
Well, you didn't want to opt out. was going to use the It is, but I think that's a cop-out. You think that's a cop-out? Like... I do think it's a cop out. It's the yeah. point of I want to build. I want to build and create. Uh, the whole the whole thing is that they say in the first twenty seconds. I uh, uh, Prometheus steals fire from the gods and yeah, then I pop- got it. Yeah. So what then- you don't? Li- I don't understand. You just are like that's a bad premise for a movie. Prometheus steals fire from the gods. That's a bad premise, and, reg- and learns to and learns to regret it. Lives to regret it. No, I don't think that that's a bad premise for the movie. But I don't. I think that in real life that for somebody as smart as he is and knowing what's happening around the world, it's, it's, it's patently too naive to think that it's well, not they say he's used. a scientist who's like, you a, don't, he's a really smart scientist, but he's also not thinking about like, the political aspects of it until the end of the movie when he actually discovers what they're going to do with it. Yeah. I, I buy that. Yeah. He wouldn't th- like, he would think what else could he expect having a fucking general be the, that's, the leader? He's just of doing, what he's he's doing what he's being. Well, he's following orders. Yeah. He's following orders. Like he's, you know, he thinks like, Oh, like we're government will make you a bit, let you do this big thing. And it's for the U S we're going to, it's going to help end the war. Not it's going to help us fight wars forever. It's going to help us end the great war, the second great war. You know, this will be the war to end all wars. That's what he's thinking at this time. He's not thinking about, I know, but do you, do you think he's thinking that and naively not understanding that the way to end the war is by actually using the weapon? I, well, I, I guess, you know, you, you have like, it's, he sits, remember when he sits down with like Truman and he's like, like, it's one thing to the, yeah. theorize about it. It's another thing in the movie. The, like, it's one thing to be like, yeah, this could work and this will work and like, this could end the war. But like, when they have to sit down in the hard room with the 20 people in it and they're like, all right, we got 14 cities. Thousands of people are going to die. Who's going to die today? Like, you have to do it. And, like, I, he just isn't – he doesn't have the stomach for it. He's not he, – he's, he's not ready for it. Like, he didn't he didn't so, think, think about how it's going to impact him like that. That is so, – I can't believe that. When he's talking to his, uh, his cohort, Josh Hartnett's character, uh, Dr. Lawrence, um – they, uh, I feel like they have completely different um, vibes about it. I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I think that Dr. Lawrence Lotus, sees... Uh... Yeah, like, he sees what's happening here, trying mm-hmm. to persuade Oppenheimer into his mindset. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, you are getting way too political into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He even... He, they allude to that with all of the unionizing and things that Oppenheimer oh, yeah. is allowing in his classroom. Like... It blows me away to think that I agree. Someone as smart as Oppenheimer can totally look past that this is going to be used for specific government use. It's not like, oh, this is just a little threat. I'm making two, uh, three atomic bombs. They're not just going to sit in storage. Like, if he listened to what Lawrence has said to him, I think that it would have had a way different outcome. You know, I, I can't fully believe that he didn't know what was going to happen there it's just hard to it's hard to blame that on like it's we're grading the film it's hard to gr- blame the film for Oppen like yeah for well, portraying oppenheimer's true what he really did like if we if we made the film different and had oppenheimer like be like oh i knew the consequences and i always knew it. like you can't if you then you're not portraying oppenheimer as he was in real life and then you're not being faithful to a biopic source material i feel like that's not the right choice mama k 
Like your 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 hang up is on reality. Your hang up is on how the man really was. No, no, my hang up on is on the believability of that reality. I don't believe that that. I believe he only. So you want Christopher Nolan to portray Oppenheimer not as he is widely remembered as. You want him to portray him as you think he secretly was. You just want to see him as an evil. I think that honestly, this is. I'm just gonna. Yeah, I think by making this movie, he's perpetuating a lie. Honestly. No. Well. <laughs> you can say no, but I totally believe it. I just can't. I mean, I know that sometimes scientists don't live in the real world very well. They live in their sciencey world really well and and they can't change a tire or they can't, you know, read a room or whatever. And that's not all science. I'm being, you know, obviously, you know, I'm casting a wide net here, but it's I, I have a hard time believing somebody's like, okay, we want you to make a weapon of mass destruction to scare people. That's uh, what? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, no. I mean, you want to believe? You want to believe all of a sudden that you didn't do this thing? And honestly, I I, I sound like I hate him. That's not the point. The point <laughs> is somebody was going to do this, right? This right. is where we started. Somebody's well, going to do well, this. Yeah. How much? How much of this story did? they choose to leave out how many more people did he meet with how many more times did he meet with these government officials and they told him exactly what's going on this is all confidential information like you know what do we know about it where they could make this film different or is this all we have to work off of is that we know oppenheimer was scared after he realized what was going on what you know? it got up in the film was that it was he built this kind of based on fear because he was afraid that the nazis were going to do it first so he did it wanted to do it before the nazis did it right i totally agree with that but i i think that you know he does have this incredible burden of responsibility for it and that's just it's a terrible thing to have but some people have in their lives have that burden of responsibility for things well I would and I would argue he suffers for it I mean he not like he mentally suffers for it and his career suffers for it like he is not he sort of suffers for what it what do you mean I he guess. sort of suffers I, for it? the end I don't of the really movie, like he... him very much as a person I don't like no, the clearly whole, I, see <laughs> I don't. I, you don't like I, anything I don't Christopher like, Nolan stuff. You don't like the. I don't these people, do. I, I'm not a big. protagonist. You don't like anything about any of his anything. <laughs> and I don't really get <laughs> why. He's, he's, it's a male masturbatory thing. That's why. it is a male sense. It is like, a male uh, audience. Yeah, and, and Nicole I, likes like, it. It's a. Well, that I mean, Nicole great. likes the three-hour movie. It, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, honestly, I was gonna say it felt short. I think that she drank. She drank the Kool-Aid, right, Griffin? Because that's what it feels no, like. I, I like she, she heard the sound. Think, she heard the blah. She heard the, <laughs> the yes. Yeah, she heard the subliminal sounds that were going on during the movie, and like you know, um, a good movie will like, over. I need to I need to talk a little bit about the piece that really bothered me, and that is like, why do I have to look at? naked people in this movie why do i have to see that it's not that much naked people. there's like a couple naked it doesn't people. Ma- it was like one but why do i have like to see any of that and they're not even bad they're good looking naked people you, you should be, you should be naked i don't people. disagree i mean that's see, much what worse a fucking dude thing to say but why do i have to see that in this movie what is that at? you get to see a guy and girl naked so is it the is real, it it's, yes. it's gender it's a real guy see a guy and girl naked so really it's uh no, that's not. It's not Jen. I miss the guy naked. Well, Who was uh, naked? Uh, Mur- well, well, Killian Murphy was <laughs> naked, and that is that is not the same. I would much. I mean, if you're going to show somebody naked, make it at least equal to Florence Pugh. So right. I mean, Mur- come on. <laughs> 
This is so like and actually I, I now that you're actually talking about it, and now I'm talking to myself and actually liking it more because so they're naked in that one scene, but then like five minutes later, a scene it's setting up the scene after that where Killian Murphy has to admit basically that he spent the night with Florence yeah. Pugh. And then they're both they do that he does the thing where it's like the they're naked in the off in the interrogation room and Emily Blunt sees them banging on the chair and like fantasy sequence kind of thing. Yeah, I can, I, okay, I can, I can, and like that, that adds too, to the movie how? It adds to Emily Blunt, like us realizing why, why she's extra, like it, it why she's like time. traumatized she's and like person. drinking all the time. She was like that before then, though. This she adds was like that. Before, no, it doesn't. It adds it doesn't to add, Oppenheimer just, being not not no. like it's. It makes him like you say. He's a flawed character. You know, say, he's, he's not he's all. Not a, he's not, he's all. not a good guy. Right? It's, it's, it's a gray. It's kind of a gray area. We need that color, that complication, that additional. Context. I don't need that. I don't need that. And I don't think other women in the theater needed it either. And and let's talk about the other women in the theater. The six other women in the in the eighty five or, or ninety seat theater watching this movie. Because let's be clear about who saw this movie. Yeah, Our I theater know, was packed. Our theater was packed of people. Packed I, with what? I, I did. It was actually a very mixed crowd. We were sitting next to some some seventy somethings, group of four of them. And then in front of us was a group of four um, late teenagers. Yeah, I saw like some. So there was there was quite like a mix. Boy, boys and like, girls. Oh, wow, they're seeing Oppenheimer. Females, males and females. Oh, there, really? Yeah. Wow. There were males and females in Oppenheimer. Yeah. There, there were. There, yes. Are like in in what in what like capacity? Because I'm there were not groups of girls in Oppenheimer, but I would say that most of the people in Oppenheimer <laughs> were couples or couple like friends of couple like you know it was not an 80 percent male crowd all right it was a pretty common looking movie crowd yeah that's not what my experience was what was your experience what was made like these days my experience was a bunch of dudes and afterwards the younger crowd of like eight dudes who went in to see it together um were like Oh my god! It was like the pentacle of the most awesome of the best. Did ever, they all explain to you how good it was? Because that would be the best. Uh, and they were all just like totally. You if don't they could, the they were broing out. Yeah, the nuances. <laughs> if they pulled out a hacky sack and started playing, I wouldn't have. You know, it would have been exactly perfect. You didn't understand the nuances of It was just yeah, exactly. You don't understand. Are you trying to say they were all knowable? You mean pretty much the thing about this one too is like <laughs> people will pick on um, Inception for being hard to understand or uh, t- Tenant. I understand. Yeah, I get that. For being hard to understand. This is extreme. I think this is pretty a straightforward yeah. movie. Like I don't. Like, I think I'm looking at other than other than the Dark Knight trilogy. This is probably his most accessible movie. Other than the like, it probably the, is, the, but I honestly yeah. couldn't keep the dudes straight. I mean, there's. Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, and everybody else. Uh, there's like, 60 white guys. So what are you gonna do? Like that's I mean, the, 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 the military and scientists. There's a lot of famous people, and they're mostly scientists yeah, so, like, in the background. It's hard to you know shed light on. I'm all, all done watching movies about dudes. I'm just I'm I'm all done glorifying well, guys. We'll I'm later, all done right? with it. Let's move on. Well, I think we might, but I'm just like this is setting <laughs> me up for yeah. Is that really? So let's talk about who you did like if anybody in this i mean you got quite a variety to choose from performance wise um i don't know i mean killian murphy's a good actor 
But all I kept seeing in this movie was his giant face in front of me. And I'm like, that's not acting. That's a dude's face. I don't really, you know, I don't care about your face. You sound like Kevin um, Murphy. Robert Downey Jr. was good. I kept waiting for Matt Damon. You could not just shrug character. and say Robert Downey Jr. was good and move on. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, was unrecognizably great. Say, he, was, yeah, he, was, I, he was so good. Yeah, he was surprisingly good. I thought he wasn't going to be <laughs> okay, good. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. Robert Downey Jr. was so good. Supporting actor okay. nomination on the way. Yeah, he's probably going to get that, and he deserves it for this, because it's a good... I mean, he's very much angry Iron Man in this movie, oh, oh so God, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Oh Unrecognizable. <laughs> Not unrecognizable. About fifteen minutes. It, thank you. It took. It takes you a while. You're like, oh shit, that's uh, Robert. Like I didn't. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I couldn't. Oh, no, not me. I'm so much better. Than that. <laughs> I saw him. No, I saw him. It was immediate. Matt Damon. I did expect him to crack up, like he was in yeah, a skit. I really love that because um, that's the way it felt to me a little bit. Yeah, um, that's how I always feel about Matt Damon. I, you know, I feel about Matt Damon. <laughs> but. Yeah, and then whoever played Albert Einstein did a great job. He looked just like Albert Einstein. I like this so hat. Yeah, I like this hat. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah so, Griffin, um, you said you liked Emily. Yeah, Emily Blunt was great. Right? She, she was probably my second parent besides. Yeah, I didn't have that same feeling. Kelly Murphy. I didn't either. It was probably she was probably the best just because her scenes. <laughs> she felt like girl on a train again. It felt sort of uh, that same mm. performance. I do want to point out a cast of eighty men. There are two, like two, three women. Nicole picks out the one woman. You know, it was pretty good, except for that woman. Who was the woman? She's like, I hit, let's talk about women some more. The only, she didn't go Florence Pugh. We, we like Florence Pugh, and she dies very quickly, so it's okay. But Emily Blunt won't go away. She's just hanging around all the oh, well, all the men in these movies. <laughs> We're her out let's of talk about Florence Pugh for a second. Is she murdered in this movie? She, that's what the oh, movie was. my question. In real life, she but they did showed commit a black suicide. glove. But yeah, yeah, but did she? Well, that's what they're, they're implying, implying that she I have no herself. idea if there's a conspiracy. I think they, yeah. she, she left like a, I, a note for Oppenheimer and then just like left unsigned. She is a commie, so you know they don't like that. Bitch was <laughs> that that note was unsigned. So yeah, well, there you go. I, I, so like ambiguous, I guess. Yeah. Let me tell you who I my had, favorite character is. Yeah. That was, that was like a little like thread, though, that didn't go anywhere. So it was kind of annoying for me because yeah. there was the scene with there was a black gloved hand. I swear somewhere. I thought there was one, too. There like, was. Just... No, there was. I think you were right, Nicole. And, and yeah, I think yeah. there was. When... I think they all, it was all a, probably a cover up in real life saying she could commit suicide. But whoever, maybe someone uh, in the government or uh, had a hitman or something, you know. I like yeah, that sure. they have Rami Malek just standing around saying nothing for a long time, and then it's revealed that he's like gonna come and in and drop a fucking... bomb. I, I didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. it was Rami Malek until you dropped the bomb <laughs> the whole time. I, I think I whispered to call. I'm like, this is my favorite use of Rami Malek. They have to say something, and then they tell him to shut up, and they they, they cut away from him. That's my favorite use because I don't think Rami Malek's a very good actor. Uh, so. uh, I, I agree. Let me, let me tell you, my favorite person in this film is. Fucking Josh Hartnett. Oh really? my god. He <laughs> well, looked so delicious in this movie. As Ernest Lawrence. Oh my god. He I thought he was so good. And I thought he looked so and good. I thought he looked so <laughs> good. <laughs> well, he's had such a hard time, like, as an actor and yeah. apparently a all around smelly person that people don't want to work with him, so Oh, I really enjoyed his part in this. Yeah. 
For the for side characters for me, standouts are uh, Alden Ehrenreich as the aide to Louis Strauss. So he's people know him. most Oh as, yeah, he was actually really good. People know him most yeah. as young Han Solo, but yeah, he's the guy who has to play off Strauss, and I think he's kind of great. And then he gets the little underhanded jab at the end of his, him. The, oh my god, Strauss. his smirk at the end yeah, is everything. Okay, you may be you may not enjoy have enjoyed the bulk of this movie, but he, the politician gets his comeuppance. That's got to make you feel a little good. And, I like that. And he and he the whole thing. Was he thought it was he was so important and they weren't talking about him at all? Isn't that kind of like? Isn't that kind of something you would you would like? Yeah, I like that, but it's three hour movie and you're giving me like twenty second tidbits. I need I more. Like, I like how he wasn't on trial the whole time. I need more I like or I need less. On trial the whole time, and then it cuts to him being, and then eventually at the end he just becomes the guy that's like on trial. Other standout uh, is... Uh, oh my god, wait, you know... Sorry, oh, I'm going to say this before you do. You know who else was in this that... I mean, he played a very important role, and I was very surprised. You're um, Josh Peck. Oh, okay, no, you're not. <laughs> Josh Peck was the guy who fucking hits Josh? the button. Yes! <laughs> Drake and Josh. Oh. I loved that! <laughs> I didn't know that. How did that happen? I know. How did Josh Peck come out with that? They gotta do the. the they should have done the Drake and Josh like arrow cutaways, like on the like the didn't didn't like white pan, and, get the, and then it it cuts to him with his finger hovering over the button. This sounds like yeah, the SNL sketch of Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. I'm pressing. <laughs> uh, no, Drake Drake Bell must. That's be not pissed. who I was gonna say. Also, other other. Uh, Alex Wolf was also in this Naked Naked Brothers band. So another another <laughs> Disney or not? Who? Alex Wolf of the Naked Brothers band, recently in no. Pig as well. Oh. He was uh, he was another one of the guys in the team. Who does he play in this? His character is Luis Walter Alvarez. He was recruited in the yeah. same montage as, J- as uh, Josh Peck, but I don't remember which character he was. Um, oh yeah, I've seen him. He was in Old. Yes, yes, him. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> 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 we, he shows up and stuff. He he's in Hereditary as well, and I everyone thinks he's awesome in Hereditary, and I think he's so bad in Hereditary. Uh, I, yeah, Alex Wolf, keep an eye out. He's fun to talk about. No, I was talking. You keep derailing me. I wanted to talk about um, uh, Macon Blair, the 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 lawyer who is uh, he's like Oppenheimer's lawyer in the trial room, and he's the one. Ah, you guys didn't send me these papers, and then he has to look at Oppenheimer and like shrug and like I don't know, I don't know what's going on. He's kind of the chubby guy. You know oh, I'm talking the about? guy in the That's terrible, though. Yeah, the one who's yeah. like trying to stick up for Oppenheimer, yeah, and the, no the lawyers keep giving him the runaround. Yeah, he has no. He, I didn't get those papers. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know who he should have been played by is Wayne Knight because that seems perfect. Yeah, Wayne Knight's is he even acting anymore? <laughs> No, but I feel like that's Bacon the Blair kind is kind of new. When, when he's been that guy in a couple other movies. He was in Logan Lucky. He's the new Wayne that Knight. Guy. Yeah. Well, he's he's yeah he's a writer director too, but <laughs> he shows up in stuff like that. Like uh, what's a what's the other guy who does that? Tracy, um, well Tracy Wal- Walter. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm getting. I know Tracy Walter. I don't know they what have, you're uh, about. They have Jack Quaid from The Boys. He's the main character from The Boys. Quaid. 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 Did you just say quad? Quaid. <laughs> like oh Dennis my God, Quad? It's just reincarnate. <laughs> Jack Quaid is Dennis Quaid's son, so this Holy this does yeah, all shit. check out. That's hilarious. The younger, the younger. Quaid, 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 Quaid fit any better? 
Well, he is filling in for Jess. He is filling in for Jess. So, yeah. Lord Lord Farquaad, uh, Lord Jack Quaid, Lord Farquaad. Okay, all right. Any other? We have more talk about Oppenheimer a little bit later, and its comparison to the unnamed Barbie. Barbie and Oppenheimer. We're gonna have our own separate conversation about them together. But for Oppenheimer, did we have any other notes on this film? Yes. Oh, Nicole, not done. Mm, I do. Battle so. As far as I know, this could be completely theoretical, but um, I don't think I really gave my opinion on on Killian Murphy's um, performance acting here, performance, performance yeah. of, of Oppenheimer. And I think he did a great job. Um, I think he really set into the character that whole tug of war in his in his mind about what's going on. I think he did a good job of that. I do agree with you. These types of movies, they love to just fucking pan in on some old dude's face and just that's 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 life that's him and that's but, movie um, making man that's yeah. that's movies yep but Son um of a baby i did hear that you know this was kind of going on during the same time as the the actor's strike started so i don't know if this was skewed anyway mm-hmm. um or if it's related at all but i believe killian murphy came out and said that he after making this film was feeling quite depressed and really honed into this character leaning onto the same way that Heath Ledger may have been doing with the Joker, which we know what happened with that. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a scary thing to think about people that put themselves into these roles and they're so intense and they're so um, deeply emotional. And you know, that's a, that's a frightening thing. So I wonder if that's true, and, you know, I hope that we've learned from the past of people that get into their roles a little too much, and, and you know, what happens with that. But yeah, that's, I wonder if that's true. That's scary. It seems like it could be, and is that what you were alluding to earlier when you said that people who were in the movie were having, you know, had yeah. strange yep. misgivings afterwards? And mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't call it a misgiving, I mean, but like, yeah, it, it take you know, actors who take who have serious about their craft, especially when you're in, you know, this is a the role seen by billions of people. So it's going to be pressure like no other. So it's going to be different, you know? Right. And your character has, you know, there's a depression that comes with Oppenheimer because of, you know, if you're to believe what, you know, what they're right. selling. People you, talk that. about the, the, the actor getting into their role and making it better. And, you know, that's all fine and good, but what happens when they really, take it too far i mean right like we've got daniel day lewis that can fucking do anything and he's he's in the role the whole time of the movie is being shot oh, yeah. so even at home there is some he's great like stories. at home <laughs> the, the best my favorite is uh liam neeson talking about on gangs of new york they were he was only in like one scene with them but he said he was trying to say oh hi daniel like like behind set and he just growled at him and said oh priest <laughs> because because in the scene he has to kill him daniel day lewis has to kill liam neeson so he did I didn't want to even talk to him. We just growled at him. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder I mean, with you the... act to get away mm-hmm. from you know whatever to immerse yourself into another life. So people who do it as a method, they're method actors. Then yeah, that's they need some definitely some deprogramming at the end of something like this. If anyone wants fun yeah, method acting sure. talk, Jeremy Strong interviews talking about Succession. Very oh very my funny. god, you, you, yeah. <laughs> oh god, Jeremy that Strong would be amazing. is the best. He is very method and yeah, very funny. Um, you could tell. 
Oh, yeah, it, it, it comes through the performance. Good button it hook, totally Nicole. Uh, Oppenheimer, are we going to recommend it? Start easy. Mama K? Yeah, no. It's a waste of time. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not the answer. That's incorrect. Uh, Griffin, uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend this movie. It's a, this is a good good soulful film to show that it's a really hard. Soulful. I would say soulful, but I would say more yeah. like as if you wanted to get a little hard-hitting. Get a get a feel, emotional. You know? I think it's a good film for that. It's get yeah, in your exactly. feels. In the feels. You're out of the will. I do love Christopher Nolan. I have never really felt an emotion watching a Christopher Nolan movie. They're particularly cold and yeah. scientific and mind uh, rewarding, which I love. But um, yeah, I, I would never call a Christopher Nolan film soulful. Well, I, fe- um, I felt anyway. like this is the, the only cold. movie that was actually <laughs> felt like there was emotion behind Christopher Nolan. I guess. I think people say that about Interstellar, but I haven't seen that because I'm saving it as a little treat oh, for myself. God. So, uh, no. Nicole? <laughs> um, I th- uh, yeah, I would recommend this to the right crowd. Um, 94% of people. Some people, yeah, some people would not, would have no business watching this, but I thought it was interesting, so. Clearly me. I'm just saying, Nicole is usually the toughest on the three-hour movies and. uh. That's that's, she is. that's 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 praise. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, it's it, this will be probably on my top five. I don't see how it isn't. Um, seems unlikely. So, oh, I cannot wait for that podcast. Good luck on the. You can't take it to the bottom. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, it's not going to win the. It won't win the show anyway because Jess hasn't seen it, and I mean Nicole doesn't see as many things. Maybe this could stay on her. So well, I guess whoever picks all the time, right? You can just guarantee you with the polls. I guess because you know that's how it's going to go. It is. Inter- I was gonna say uh, it's it kind of a year of the blockbuster that isn't of the Marvel movies because like biggest bro- blockbuster grocer was the Mario Brothers movies, and this is conversation better for a different podcast that we have coming up. So I'm gonna save it because we have three recommends and one not recommend for Oppenheimer, which is shocking that it's not unanimous. It should be unanimous. I'm sorry, but it's. Still- I'm gonna be looking for um, people who want to be written into my will. I mean, it's pretty yeah, sweet yeah, yeah. offer. <laughs> did uh, your husband enjoy Oppenheimer? Family is out. Did your husband enjoy Oppenheimer? Yeah, I imagine he did. <laughs> yeah. I imagine he did. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was good. If it's a matter of that, we hated it. <laughs> it's a matter of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can switch my out the window once the will gets brought up. <laughs> Much like Oppenheimer. Oh, you think he would do? <laughs> See, we're all great. Yep. We're all great characters. You know? I just got to do what's best for me. <laughs> yep. We have a review of Barbie coming up next. You should be able to. Uh, and then we're going to have our discussion of Barbenheimer. So that's going to be talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer together, the phenomenon, and comparing against each other, the similarities, differences, why, maybe some other films that are out right now, and what's going on so in the meantime if you have things to recommend to us we'll get back into regular stuff in august films with a woman in my life on facebook reach out to me on instagram i'm brennan underscore pod host and you can email the show films with the women at gmail.com thank you guys for being on for oppenheimer mm. all right talk to y'all shortly for barbie <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore Podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole Telesio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies.